Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your holy word. I thank you, God, that you've given us your word that we can proclaim, but God, we can hear from heaven today. And I ask you, Lord, would you speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit? Would you speak to each one of us in this room? And may we hear from you. May we hear from heaven today, God, and get direction for our lives. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, you can be seated for a few minutes. For a few minutes. (laughs) So I will tell you this. This is one of the reasons why when we talk about generosity as a church, you're watching online as well. This is why we talk about generosity as a church. And so I have people who tell me uh, consistently um, because of what we do, um, you know, Jody, if if you guys didn't give away so much, you could do other things with that in your own church. And my answer is always, yes, I understand that. But what more do I need when I look across the world and I see the gospel that is in desperate need to be proclaimed? And, and when I see three and a half billion people that have not heard, and the number's rising, by the way, why would I withhold for more things here when we can send more people out there? So when we talk about generosity, why we do what we do, man, we give away over 10%. This year, it, my prayer is, is upwards, my prayer is 15%. We'll see how it goes, but we're definitely minimum 10, probably more like 12 and a half right now. My goal by the end of the year will be 15%. And I would love it if our church could get to the place where we're giving away 40% of our revenue. Wouldn't that be fun? Like to see like the gospel spread out of your church um, all across the world. I would love to see that. I would love to do more to help them in their mission work overseas. So just when you give, understand, it's not like you're not paying light bills. I hate the analogy that people say, oh, yeah, we're going to pay for the light bill. We're not paying for a light bill. I could care less about the light bill. I've been to churches on the backside of the desert where we met under a tree and had church without lights, okay? You don't need lights to have church. But what we do need, though, is missions going out across the world. And we need it in our own hometown right here, in your neighborhoods, what you're doing. You're here more, was we talk more about that, but we, as Christians, have got to take our faith, not crazy serious like you'd be some weirdo Christian, you know, don't be the weird guy that can't have a normal conversation like football game comes on, you say, oh, we shouldn't watch sports in Jesus' name. Don't get weird like that. But pray for your neighbors. If you see them at the mailbox and a conversation comes about, hey, man, take a moment and pray for them. And if ask them, it's okay. Hey, man, I'll pray for you. I said, oh, I would never do that. Well, as a Christian, that's something that we're called to do. You've got to get out of that comfort zone of like, well, I don't know if that's not, that's for the preachers. It's not for the preachers. It's for believers. We're supposed to be the people of God to do this. So anyway, um, when, you, when you think about the church and the ecclesia, I wanted to share with you a little bit because I, I couldn't share last. Um, some of the images didn't come through for you guys when we were over in, in Scotland. This ties right in, guys. We, we've been to uh, the nation of Scotland, and we, we've seen firsthand the work that we're, our friends are going to be doing there. And I'll tell you, it, they're teeter-tottering right now on an unreached people group. It, it, it is unimaginable to think how can a nation that once sent out more gospel and more missions work expanded throughout the, the areas of Europe and the United Kingdom now. And now it's almost an unreached people group. 
England was 99% believers, give or take, you know, some of the data, to less than 30% now. How does this happen? So I'm going to share a little bit with you. So I was, when we were over there, uh, when you think about the word ecclesia, just to share this with you again before we uh, get too deep into this. Ecclesia, it just means to, be, to come out from. And, and kaleo, it means to call. It means the called out ones. That's who we are. We're the church. We're the called out ones. Ecclesia is not a building. That is a word that the Greeks used. And I'll try to do my best to pronounce for it. Kuriakon It's the best I can say. It is the word. It just simply means it, 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 belonging to the Lord. But it's actually a Scottish word. Believe it or not, the Scots picked it up and they call it kirk. So when you say, I'm going to go to the kirk, it means I'm going to the church. But what that means, and watch this, the difference. In Greek, it is the church building, the kirk. I'm going to the kirk. That means I'm going to the house. I'm going to the building, this, this right in here. The kirk is all this structure. This is the kirk. Jesus never said, and I will build my kuriakon, Greek. He said, I will build my ecclesia. And as an American culture of Christianity, we need to understand the difference between those two Greek words. What's the Greek really matter? Because Jesus used words on purpose. The Greek in your Bible, it was written in the most uh, basic format. It was written Greek in this, the common Greek language in the New Testament. It's on a sixth grade reading level. It was done so, I believe Jesus did that at the time, because it, it, the whole world could hear the gospel. He did not get very uh, complicated with the word choices that he used. But he was intentional when he said, it would be like me saying to you, we're going to gather together and pray as the church. But I said, we're going to meet at Barron Stadium. You know what I mean when I say that. But if I say, we're going to gather at Cornerstone at the church and we're going to pray, you know what I mean when I say that. If I say, we're coming to this house to pray, you know what he means we're going to the Cornerstone Church, the location. But the people praying it's not the location. We are the ecclesia. If I say we're going to Barron Stadium to pray, you know what I mean by that is the location is Barron Stadium, but as a church, the church, the called out ones, we're going to what? Pray. Do you see the difference in the word choice that Jesus used? He's not building buildings. Nothing wrong with the building. We're using it. But if it ever came a point in time in the course of history and Christianity, this building means nothing to me. Do you understand that? As a, if you have more faith in the four walls of the, or however it's designed, it's more like one, two, three, I don't know, it's kind of you know, curvature there. But if, if you have more faith in the structure of Christianity than you do the, the purpose of Christianity, you got the wrong thing going. Because Jesus isn't building buildings to himself. And here, I'll show you why that matters, because here's a building, let me show you a picture of this. This is what didn't come through last time. I want you to see this as I just share briefly this morning and then and I'll let you go. But this is a picture here of a kirk. This is a church, okay? So there's what I couldn't get last time. You see at the doors it says Tron Kirk. It just means the church of Tron. Not like the, you know, maybe whatever. But it's just the area. It's, it's a church. It's a kirk. That's what they call it. Now take a look at this. This is that same church. I couldn't show you last week. This is it. It's a market. If you go inside, you'll see these beautiful columns. I saw pillars that were in there. Some of it's been remodeled because the, it was destroyed by fire, but these columns are still original. This, this thing, I can't remember the date. It's well over 500 years old or more. Church was built by a bunch of believers that got together that sought God's presence and said, Lord, give us a word. And they built a facility. They built a curiacon, Greek, a church. But Jesus is building his ecclesia. Now, let me show you what happens, though, when all we focus on is the curiacon, the building. 
The next thing, you'll see the beautiful stained glass and all this, but ultimately today, this is what's in the house of the Lord. Now, thank God it wasn't anything crazy or wild. It's not a bar. It's not a, there's other stuff that's much worse. They're just selling crafts. I mean, you know, pottery. At least it's just that, you know. But my thought was, I went in there and I didn't care about the pottery. I walked around that room and here's what I thought. What happened? Like, what, what happened? How does a group of people with such fervor and belief in God Almighty that they sought God and they pulled their resources together, sacrificed mightily to build a structure and a house of worship to only today go in there and see the buying and selling of pottery. And this isn't the place where this is. It's where the pews were. It's where the people should congregate and worship. You can't tell because of the way you're looking at it in there, but I just I couldn't get my mind around it. And so I asked the guy, and I'll tell you this more later on, but in detail. But I asked a guy there that was leading us through. He was a, a believer and does Christian tour. We were doing a Christian heritage tour this one day. And I said, man, what happened? What happened in Scotland? How is it that this Bible that I hold man is a Tyndale Bible? William Tyndale was the first to translate your Bible into English. He was burned alive for the translation of this into England, English. King James, they, they all flipped out. Everybody's flipping out. They want a certain thing, you know, later in all the 1600s, whatever. But the reason you have this was by a guy named William Tyndale, who took it and translated it out of this one category that was in Latin reserve only for the priests. He translated it into English and was the start of getting the word of God in your language. He was burned alive for it. Other men who took and preached that gospel, once it began to spread, they were martyred for the faith. This is in Scotland. This is not in like where Tim's talking about in the Middle East somewhere. Burned alive. All because of the gospel. Not because they was crazy. I mean, they weren't going wild down the streets and throwing big parties and tearing up buildings. They were just preaching the gospel. And the priest that they martyred them, had them killed for it. Fast forward today, I asked the guy, what happened? They had such a revolutionary move of the gospel. It's, it was in, throughout England, throughout Scotland, all the regions to where I don't know what they're telling today in school. I probably should check out. But I know what our educators tell me. I know what they, they teach. They, they're not going to move off of you. I'd be thank God for some Christian educators in your kid's school because at least they're holding fast, you know. But whatever it comes down the pike that they're teaching now, saying you should teach in history, I don't know. But when we were in school, the Puritans, you heard about, they left England for what? Religious persecution. And why did they come to America? For religious freedom. Yes, I know. You don't hear about the day. There were a bunch of secularists. None of them believed in God. They all just came for a better life. That's a bunch of baloney. When you go over there and you see the place where these men and women were killed and burned alive for their faith, they left this region because of religious persecution. They wanted a place where they could worship God called America. And of all its problems and issues, yes, I know. But this land was gifted by the Lord. And all the mistakes of human hands, yes, is still a place where you can religiously go and worship freely. Amen. And we ought to be grateful for the sacrifice of men and women. who has they, You have this today. Because a man was burned alive on a stake. It's what you hold in your hands right now. Not because of Gutenberg. 
They, he, they started printing more, but this guy. And so when I think about that, I ask this guy, why though, after all the revivals in Scotland that took place, you understand much of what you have today came out of there. Massive revivals. What went south? This is what he told me. Now, wake up and listen. Pay very, if you're going to hear anything today, listen in the next two minutes what I'm about to tell you. And ask yourself, if you don't look around and see it today, and my wife could help me with the details, I'm just going to give you the overlay. Okay? You want more detail of this? Ask her. She can just quote all the history for you. I'm just going to give you the overview. But there was a guy there by the name of Hume. First name, Haley? David. Thank you. I told you. Right on the spot, man, like money. David Hume. He was a philosopher. He's one of these thinkers, you know, super smart guy. He began to teach in the, in the area of Scotland, Edinburgh, where much of the gospel went out. The framework, at least the framework of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights came out of Edinburgh in Scotland by a bunch of Christians who prayed. They took those thoughts over to America to create the framework that you have today. What happened? No church is there. It's just vacant. He said a guy named Hume, David Hume, started teaching. He took the Ten Commandments and he expressed it this way, divided in two. If you know anything about the teaching of the Ten Commandments, so you have, there's the God side and the man side, right? The Ten Commandments, there's love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, if you will. Have no other gods before me, that's the way it reads. There's the God side, our response to God in the Ten Commandments. They're broken up in two different categories, okay? Then there's the relationship side with humanity. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Leave your neighbor's wife alone. Enjoy your own wife. Get your crap together, right? That kind of stuff. Stop oogling other ladies. Oogle your wife. Hey, girl. What's up, baby? How you doing? I'm serious. Stop looking at other people's wives. That's relationally. That ain't your property. So, see, when I say that, you get it and you laugh because it's, you know, you don't understand what I mean. He started saying, with the area of God, he, there's a statue there. I wish I'd take the picture and I'll show you later. I'll bring it back later. He's got his foot on the God side of the Ten Commandments because he began to say there's no God. There is no God. There is no God. There's, this happened by happenstance. There's no God. Philosophically thinking, there's no creator. He put his foot on that part of the Ten Commandments and he stuck the relational side of truth and put it on his knee with his hand over it and basically began to say, Eh, do whatever you want to do. You do you. There's no boundaries in what you want to be or what you want to become. Be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. This is not necessary. And with his philosophical thinking, he transformed the way people thought. They left their views of Christianity and their faith and adapted a worldview of philosophy that said, there is no God and you do you. Now, can I ask you a question this morning as believers? Does that sound familiar to you? If I took you to Scotland right now, what I think now, unless, and I'm asking the Lord that he would change it. I believe he will if we pray. But if you go there right now, you'll see the future of America if we don't get our stuff together. And that's a fact. If we don't like that, I'm just telling you, that is what's coming if we do not take our faith seriously again. And quit apologizing for being a Christian. 
Stop acting like it's, oh, everybody's going to cancel me. I, cancel whatever. Pastor Ronnie was worried last week because they kicked him off the, on Facebook. I don't care. Facebook, whatever. You can cancel me right now. I don't care. If they cut us off, you go to live.cornerstormom.com. We pay for that. They can't cut that off. They do whatever they want to do. I don't care what Facebook does. I don't care what anybody else does. We, I'm a, we want to stand true on God's word. Okay? So let me give you a verse of scripture and I'll let you go. Okay? This was the, the, the one thing that I, I felt like that, that you hear today when you hear a prayer for Tim, for Carolyn, for what they're doing, and for us in our nation. <clears throat> I want you to consider some things that Jesus said to his disciples. Okay? And in John 21, I'm going to read this to you from John 21. just want to read the scriptures to you and we're going to go. John 21, though. When Jesus is talking about this, when this took place, I want you to consider where the disciples were at. This is after the resurrection, but not yet Pentecost. So we call Pentecost the birthing of the church, if you will, this day the church was born. When the Holy Spirit descended, they went out and they began to preach the gospel, right? You remember? So that is the the expansion of the church took place after Acts chapter 2. This is before that, but yet it's post-resurrection, and I want you to hear today, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share this because I think maybe there's some of you in this room right now where after the resurrection, what do you do? I mean, your hero's gone. The inspiration that you once had, that one person that you really looked up to, the one that kept you strong. The thing that drives me crazy about our culture is, well, grandmama's gone. I don't know who's going to pray for us now. Why don't you step up and take the mantle? I'm so tired of hearing about, well, so-and-so used to pray. Now we got nobody to pray. Well, why don't we pray? Why does it have to be somebody 200 years ago that was praying? Well, if Billy Graham was still, I get tired of hearing about, well, if Billy Graham, why don't you be Billy Graham? Why do we have to have somebody back, way back then we're looking to and say, well, if they was here, it'd be different. No, it would not. You were born for such a time as this. If God had wanted Billy Graham to be here, he'd have had him here now. But instead, he's got you, and he's got you, and he's got you. And he's saying, what will we do with his church? Will we stand up and be who we're called to be, or will we look back on somebody else? And that's what these disciples are doing. And John 21, where's Jesus? He's appeared to us a couple of times. I wish he'd come back and fix some stuff. And that's where they were. Where's Jesus? Where's Billy? Wish Billy would come back. You know, if you're more charismatic, where's Oral Roberts? I don't know. Where's all the people anymore? We don't know what to do. It's like as if we were never given this. We've been so dependent upon man that we've forgotten. God gave you his living word. You don't need a man to help you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you unction if you read his word. He'll show you stuff to come and he'll remind you of the truth if you'll read it. Instead of listening to these philosophical Christians out there that don't believe anything anymore. It's ridiculous what's being said now. I mean, people don't even believe the resurrection. Well, Jesus, he was a prophet. That's Islam. That's not Christianity. It's actually hybrid now. There's actually a hybrid thing called Chrislam. Where they're... It's a convergence of some Christianity with some Islam, and we're just, there we go. I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He was the son of God. And he was the way, the truth, and life, and still is today. And so in John 21, here he shows up. So let me read this to you, okay? Y'all good? 
You gotta give me five minutes, right? I'll let you go. Come on, you'll be all right. It's just food. Get over it, right? We're Christians. Come on, fast. Get over it. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus, he manifested himself. It means he appeared to them. Oh, I wish Jesus would appear to me. Well, watch what Jesus told these guys. He appeared to them himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And that's the Sea of Galilee that's on the, probably Capernaum area is where he was at, okay? He, he showed himself in this way. Now, listen to the people who were there, guys. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee. They needed to be there. Them sons of thunder, you know, them some boys there, they need to be there. And two others of his disciples were there together. So Simon Peter said to them, watch this, I'm going fishing. Why is he going fishing? Because where's Jesus? I mean, I can't hold my stuff together anymore because grandmama's not here. That's why I'm acting like a fool. No, you was acting like a fool before grandmama left to go be with the Lord. Stop blaming your junk on other people. Get it together. Well, I just wish so-and-so. No, you pray and get it together. So they're sitting there. Simon says, I'm going fishing. Why? Because Jesus isn't there. They said, well... Peter's going fishing. I guess I'm going to go with him. Now, I like fishing. I enjoy fishing. It's fun. But they're doing it because they don't have Christ to lead them anymore. So they went out and got into the boat and watched this. And that night, they caught nothing. Let me just say this. Except the Lord builds the house. They that work labor in vain. You hear what I'm saying, right? Lest the Lord builds the house, your house, not the, just the church house, but your house. If you're going to do this on your own, I'm telling you right now, hear me, this is the dividing line. I'm not a prophet, but just hear my words here today. If you don't take your faith to a point of Christianity is not just a talk, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My kids, we don't serve the Lord because we're pastors. I told him to get over that a long time ago. Well, I mean, I'm, I, don't want to inter- I don't want to embarrass your dad because I'm a pastor. I said, no, you're a kid. And you're a normal kid. And you're a teenager. You're going to do stupid stuff because you're a kid. That's normal. That's why you've got parents that aren't cool anymore and here to guide you and direct you and keep you from being too stupid. So hopefully we can keep it all that stuff. Get all that stupid foolishness out of you. Yes, I said that. That's what the Bible says we all did when we were kids. Y'all not remember? That's why it says, like, you know, with a kid, what do you do? You spank a little bit here and there. Why? To drive the foolishness out. It's in Proverbs. Read it. I don't want to hear my kid's spirit. He just said, whatever. <laughs> Whoop that kid's butt and stop complaining and whining about it. It's just a spirit. It's going to be such a spirit. <laughs> Get the spirit out of them, right? You know what I'm saying? Man, Haley, she had to spank her a little another day. She's like, oh my gosh, I had to spank her. I said, she needed a spanking. She needed a spanking. Anyway, they didn't catch anything because the Lord wasn't with them. Guys, can I just tell you right now, it's where I am as a pastor, as a human, what do you call me, Christian man of God? Not elevating myself, I'm just saying as a believer. If he doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. If he's not in it, I don't want to do it. If he's not going to bless it, I don't want to start it. I just want the Lord. God, you do what you want to do, but I don't want to do anything where I get out there on a boat by myself. And I'm not, you know, as a fisherman, that is not fun. Casting line and not catching anything. 
I want the Lord to bless it. So the Lord, now watch, this is great. But the Lord looks out, he's on the sea, on the seashore. And so when the day was now breaking, that means the sun's coming up because they fished at night. Jesus stood on the beach and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, boys or children, it's, it's the word, kind of like you, you know how guys do, like, you know, fellas, how you say, hey, boys, come on. It, it's a, he didn't say children. He was saying it, a relational term like, hey, boys, y'all catch anything? You know, I don't know what people think about Jesus, but when I see him, I see a guy who loves to cut up. There's nothing worse. Tell me, there's nothing worse than your friends. You know, if you're shooting hoops and you don't get a hoop, if you didn't score, if you played tennis and you lost, or you played golf, you lost, you was fishing, you didn't catch fish. There's nothing worse than your buddies finding out about it. And what do they say? Hey, man, how'd it go? Man, oh, you just like, you. somebody told you, didn't they? Somebody. There's nothing worse. And Jesus on the seashore going, hey, boys, y'all catch anything? <laughs> so here's the disciples going, like, who is that on the shore? Because here we are, we got Thomas and Peter and all these guys. And apparently John was with them because he, he said he was. But who, which one of them's out there? Who, who is that out there? And all of a sudden, Jesus said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they did cast their nets. And then when they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish... That disciple whom Jesus loves, that's John. You know what I'm saying? There's John. He, anyway, different message. It is the Lord. And Peter, when he heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work. It doesn't mean he had his undergarments on. He put on his outer stuff and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came into the little boat. For they were not far from the land. It shows their priority. They got a load of fish. Well, somebody's got to bring the fish in. Peter, I mean, you know, whatever. But case is not the Lord. We're going to bring the fish in, right? So when they got out on the land, there was about a, they came in a little boat. They were not far off the land, but 100 yards away, dragging a full net of fish. So when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Can I just, man, I wish I had some more time. But listen, don't you just love it that there are times when Jesus does stuff for you and you don't even realize it? You know, you worked all week long and thought you was doing something. You were working all this time and you thought you was really getting with it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just does something you didn't even know he was going to do. And it just, wow. My pastor buddy, he says like this, it's just the kindness of the Lord. He just does stuff, and I don't even know why he does it, because he cares about me. Why would he care about me? I don't know. He just cares about me. And he does things for me, and he does things for you. If you think, well, he didn't do anything for me, are you breathing right now? Do you have any oxygen in your lungs right now? Then who's giving that to you? Jesus is. I mean, is your family healthy right now? Thank the Lord for it. But it's Jesus. He does stuff you don't even realize it. And they get there, and he's got fish on it cooking. And he's got some bread. Am I making you hungry yet? Yeah. Yeah. Here are these guys dragging all this fish, and they're looking like, What? Where did you get all this? So Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. So Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, large fish, large full of fish, a net full of fish, 153. There's not time to go in that, but anyway, that's interesting. And although there were so many, the net wasn't torn. Now, there's a couple things right here that you hear about. The net didn't tear. Why? You remember the first time when Jesus told them to cast their nets? It broke because of the boatload of fish. It's because they didn't trust him. They threw the old net over if you know anything about fishing, this is a lot of work to wash your nets. They were washing their nets when Jesus said, go back and cast. I finished preaching, go cast your net. Okay, preacher. Yeah, okay. I'll do it. 
Let's just throw the old net over. It's got torn, got holes in it, whatever. This guy's a preacher. He's not a fisherman. Just do that. When the net's torn, they were all convicted of the heart. Do you remember that? They said, oh, my Lord, my God. Peter did. I'm a sinner. This time, they threw the real net in. I think it's Jesus saying to them, listen, you know what? There's many times we don't trust the Lord, but he's redeeming this. You can trust me. No matter how many times you haven't trusted the Lord, you can trust him today. Use, go all in. Don't throw in the old net. Throw in the real 100%. Go 100% in with Jesus. And he said, come on in and have some breakfast. And then none of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Because they knew this was the Lord. They're not asking anything. Thomas was there. He's not saying, can I see the hole in your hand? Can I touch this? No, all of a sudden he's quiet. He's like, that's G. I'm, I'm not asking anything else. Last time I was embarrassed. I'm not saying anything. The Lord's redeeming the foolishness of his heart. How many times have we all said, God, if this is really you, show me, show me, show me. And you know, as well as I'm talking right here, it's the Lord. Well, I don't want to talk to my neighbor because what if they might think, and you know, he's saying, talk to your neighbor. You don't need another sign. It's the Lord. He's saying, Hey, look, don't look back on the times where you didn't trust me. Trust me right now. He's redeeming this every single time with them. And they said this, now Jesus came, he took the bread, and he gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus was manifested or appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, watch this, the ultimate redemptive story, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he said, ten, my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, <clears throat> son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. Why do you think he was grieved? Because three times Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus is affirming him for the third time. Peter, let go of that. I'm entrusting you right now to do something with my church. He said, shepherd, he said, tend my sheep. Now listen to me this morning as we close it today and... I want you to hear my heart. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is based upon some of these very things that he just said. Guys, we're so worried about the future, but when's the last time we stopped and looked at our own house? I said, those children that are with you right now, they desperately need you to be the disciple in that house, to feed my lambs. When you read this, this is a, when Peter denied Jesus for the first time, you remember who it was with? It was a little, outside of a little campfire, and who did he deny Christ in front of? Who confronted Peter? The Bible calls her a damsel or a little girl. She might have been a teenager, but she was young enough where, Peter, can you imagine a little girl looking at you and saying, weren't you with Jesus? And you saying no. And she said, no, 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 no. You're that because a teenager won't let up. You know that. I got one. Listen, it's no filter. It's just whatever. Here it comes. Like, oh, man, wow, okay. They ain't going to let you off the hook. If you was there, then you was there. They didn't put it on Instagram. You was there. TikTok. Da, da, da. You ain't getting out of it, Peter. You was there. And Jesus said, watch this. The first one he said to feed, you feed my lambs. You feed them little ones children teenagers right now as a church while we do what we do 
We teach your kids on Sundays, Wednesday nights, why we do what we do. We're feeding lambs. One of the most important things the ecclesia can do, and it's not a building, it is the preaching of God's word and teaching it to the lambs. And you could be surprised what you're doing with your children or your grandchildren. In Deuteronomy it says, when you're walking by the way, instruct them. We have conversations in my car all the time with my kids. Dad, what about? What am I doing? I'm instructing them in the ways of righteousness. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't turn on the radio and jam out all the time. We do that. I mean, they want to turn on Taylor Swift and it's like, (laughs) we rock out. I mean, it's cranked up, you know. But sometimes they just want to talk. Man, I'm going to turn the thing down. Yeah, baby, what you talking about? Yeah, I know your work's stressful. I get we all got stressful things to do. I understand. But if a little lamb asks a question, take the time to instruct them in the ways of righteousness. He said, shepherd my sheep was the second thing. That means lead them. But you can't lead people unless you don't feed them. Understand what I'm saying? It's not, leading's one thing, but to shepherd sheep, you got to make sure they're in good shape. Nourish them, feed them. If I'm going to be a dad, I can't just come in, I'm dad, we're going to do whatever I say. That's ridiculous. Feed my little lambs. Then I can lead my sheep. Don't overlook what Jesus is saying here. Feed the lambs and and lead, lead the sheep. And the last thing he says was feed my sheep. And this is very interesting. This is talking about a more of a mature sheep. Now, Peter learned this a number of different things. Let me read this to you. Uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse 24. He says, uh, because all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of glass, grass. The, the grass withers and its flower falls away. But watch this, guys. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, he tells us, laying aside all malice or evil, all deceit. Why would he have to tell believers this? Scotland proves this case. You can fall into this as a believer. You can hear the philosophy of this day and depart from the faith. It is possible. After COVID, we've already seen that. How many people have said they're Christian, but you wonder, well, what happened to them? So that's judging people. No, it's calling people to repentance and faith in Christ. Stop being so lovey-dovey with everybody. Call it out like it is. I mean, let's just be honest. And don't make us better. It just says, either this is real or it's not real. Which one is it? But hey, pick or choose a side. Like Ronnie said last week, don't be lukewarm. Be hot or be cold. One of the two. Pick your flavor. If you like iced coffee, great. If you like hot coffee, great. But don't be lukewarm. It's nasty. But put aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And as newborn babes, watch this, desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I mean, guys, listen right now. I know there's a lot of pressure on everybody. I know we got a lot of stuff going. And I know everybody's stressed. Everybody is. Everybody is. But this right here is not some religious thing that we do. My words are life, Jesus said. And they that find them, it brings health and healing to their bones. His word, guys. A man was burned on the stake for you to have a version of this. 
he found it to be so precious he would not deny the faith while he's being burned alive. Don't ever think that the preaching of the gospel or what you have as a church is some kind of religious rite or some kind of thing you just do on a Sunday. I'm telling you, his word is life. So this morning, take it as so. Don't forget what the Lord has done for us. So today, you know, when we say this, when we're preaching the gospel, he says, feed the lambs. Start in your house. Expand to your neighborhood. Start in your home. Start in your home and make disciples. So this morning, before we go, let me, let me pray for you this morning. So if you don't mind closing your eyes and bow your head just for a minute. <clears throat> Father, we just, uh, we just come to you and we thank you for your word. It's holy. We thank you, Lord, that your word does bring life and health to all of our flesh. God, I thank you, Jesus, that your word endures forever. That you said you'd send your word out and it doesn't return void, Father. So God, we thank you for your holy written word that we have been given, that you passed down from generation to generation to generation that we have before us this morning, and it is a precious thing. May we as believers in this room and watching online, may we come to the realization that it is your word that we follow, that we live and we feed on the faithfulness of your word, God. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And I pray for all, if there's anybody in here or watching online right now that doesn't know you, never made a commitment to Christ, or maybe this world has just pulled them so far away. The tension that's going on right now, they're struggling so deeply with following you. I pray in Jesus' name right now that they would turn to you, confess to you their need of you. So while your eyes are closed, no one's looking, we're going to pray a prayer right now. This whole church is going to pray with you. But if you're here and you don't know Christ, I'm telling you, you have, or you're, this world has pulled you from faith in Christ. You feel so torn right now. Such a struggle right now following Christ. I want you to pray and I want you to turn to the Lord today. If you're watching online, the same thing right now. Just repeat this after me. The whole church is going to pray with you right now. And say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I admit my need. I need a Savior. And I ask you today to save me, to forgive me, and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Dear Jesus, save me. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. What church, you give me a hand. So proud of you right now. Listen, just a couple of things before we go. If you pray that prayer, we're going to help you get started off with Christ. I'm, I'm telling you, you can convert to Christianity, but if you don't have the discipleship of his word, it will be a struggle. Because inside you're new, but this world will tell you you're not. And the only way you're going to become more like Christ is by his word. I'm telling you, it's not by just putting bumper stickers on your car. That ain't going to change anything. It'll be cute for a while until you run somebody off the road and they see that bumper sticker and they have a view now of you that's... Di- don't put the bumper sticker on your car if you got road rage. <laughs> leave it off. Until you get better, just leave all that stuff off. Don't put, Jesus is my co-pot and you cutting people off in church. I mean, on the road. Just take it off the car until you get better. All right? Just, just leave all that stuff off if you're going to be crazy in the car. But you have to have his word to transform your life on the outside. He's done something inside, but his word will work on you to change the outside. I'm telling you, it, got to have the disciples of his word. So connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you let us know, we'll help you get started walking with, with Christ.
And so one thing I want to say to you before we leave, uh, if you don't mind standing with us this morning, I want to pray over you before we go. Our prayer partners will be down front. I'm going to ask them to come down front for a few moments here. And if you need prayer for anything, um, the scriptures tell us this, that uh, if you're, are you joyful? Rejoice. Are you happy? Pray. Is any among you sick? Watch this, the responsibility of the, you call upon the elders of the church. Let them pray for you. Let them anoint the sick with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they have any sins, they be forgiven. I love how this is put in there because when you're struggling with difficulties in life, isn't it true the enemy says, well, if you hadn't done this, then it wouldn't be this way. I love how the, the, the precious written word, you ask one of these, the elders to pray for you. They anoint your sick. Prayer of faith will save the sick. And if there's any sins, they'll be forgiven. It's like it's all for you. 100%. All he says is you just ask for prayer. So if you need prayer today, come down front. We'd love to pray for you as soon as we dismiss. For anything at all, we're going to pray for you, okay? And so um, before you go, if you're here for Catch the Vision, about five, ten minutes afterwards, we'll be in here. We'll go through that with you. Want to know more about the church? You don't have to register. You can just be here. It'll take about 20, 30 minutes or so to give you some introduction to the church and go from there. So if you're here for that, just hang out for a few minutes, get some coffee and come back in, and we'll get started. So before we leave today, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, thanks for hanging in with us today. God bless you guys so much. We love you guys. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.